Secret Brothers? Did you just do a close-up of the thing I put in? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, pick, I picked it independently of you. Yay. So that was a yeah, cool image, so. Yeah. It was going to be that or him doing, like, the snipe shot with his heat mm. vision. Mm. So. That's a good one, too. Yeah, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on this because I like I, I kind of have questions of my own. So mm, okay, hopefully I can answer questions. I was going to try to give some some background to but besides yeah. just my my lengthy synopsis or whatever, but you know, kind of give context for where everything was at the time and what was yeah, going no on and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It's fun. Like when you when you named it. I was like, I was like, oh, I wonder, if, like, I, I was kind of thinking, like, this must be, like, in, from the 80s or the 90s or something, but I was like, oh, no, was when I first got the first issue, I was like, oh, what is this, like, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Early aughts, mid aughts, I don't know what you want to call it. Mid-early aughts, I don't know. That 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 sounds kind of complicated, but right, like, mid-early aughts. Mid-early aughts. I thought it was 2002 because they were talking about the... You know, first anniversary of 9 11. Yeah. 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 Is that why Superman had the black symbol back then? Or? No, it was, it was, it, well, I, I'll probably explain this a number of times during the, the show, but it was because of Our Worlds at War. Like, like basically, Our, our Worlds at War has a weird parallel because I don't think they were planning it, but like Metropolis had its own like set of towers that got, destroyed in our worlds at war so there was like these weird kind of parallels where people were like oh should we pull this comic from the stands it's like whoops it's too late now you know like like that kind of thing so so but i mean the, the idea was like you know lois's father had died and uh, at the time aquaman and maxima had died like a bunch of people died Hippolyta. during our worlds at war hippolyta had died and then and then you know uh, lots of people i you know can't i think kansas was like you know blown away or at least part of it was you know and there, there were lots of lots of stuff that went down during that uh you know war basically so so basically at the conclusion of that you know he he started he started wearing the the black ass and then he doesn't you know of course as you've read he he doesn't kind of relinquish that until until this. So. Take it away, there. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Yeah. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. It get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back 
to another heat vision horrific mind confusion tastic episode of fan holes comics motherfucker do you read them hey what's up guys this is derek derek wc i'm gonna be one of your metropolis hosts tonight but i'm not alone i've got two of my fellow citizens here with me on the call why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight hey it's mike you pair of rotters and this is justin so yeah so so you you might not know what we're talking about from some of those those cryptic hints but basically as as is our want as of late you know i i was trying to think of some fun things to talk about in terms of anniversaries and this is a kind of, to me, it's a pretty epic Superman event that took place about 20 years ago. It's the 20th anniversary of a storyline that is called Ending Battle that runs through all the Superman titles of the day. Superman, Adventures of Superman, Superman the Man of Steel, and Action Comics. It actually goes through two sweeps for eight chapters. And just to give some quick and easy credits here, writers Jeff Johns, Joe Casey, Mark Schultz, and Joe Kelly, pencilers Pascal Ferry, Derek Acoin, Brandon Badeau, Duncan Rouleau. And of course, unfortunately, this is not a, a easy, bite-sized, simple, and quick Justin synopsis, but I did promise the guys I, I will try to give one synopsis that covers all eight chapters, and it'll be a little lengthy, but once we get through it, we'll, we'll kind of talk about all the issues and, and kind of what, what was going on at the time, and then kind of what we, what we thought about the whole saga, basically. The Master Jailer sits alone in a dark room holding a chain, looking for people to hurt. Elsewhere, a limousine drops off Vice President Pete Ross and his friend Clark Kent at the Capitol building. Lana Lang is there to greet the duo, and after kissing his wife, Ross races up the steps for a meeting with the Senate. Clark's head begins to pound when he hears a voice say, Hello, Boy Scout! When the Secret Service rush the VP inside, electrified chains and barbed wire trap them inside with the Master Jailer. With Clark stuck on the outside, this gives Superman the opportunity to break through the floor, sending the Jailer flying. However, the Jailer's accomplice, Neutron, is also on the scene, tugging at Superman's cape. Superman reminds him of the song, You Don't Mess With Jim, before knocking Neutron into a wall. Superman's head continues to pound while both Neutron and the Master Jailer tag team him. The Jailer's electrified chains give Superman pause as Neutron fries some Secret Service agents. Superman asks what the pair want with the Vice President, but the Master Jailer reveals they want Pete and Lana because they're friends of Superman. Despite the Jailer's metal wrapping around Superman's eyes, he's playing possum, and an incredible blast of heat vision erupts from his eyes, taking out the Master Jailer. Superman then chucks a chain link of the Master Jailer's into Neutron's forehead, which proceeds to expand and tie him up. Superman gets all hostages to safety at super speed, but as he questions Neutron, the villain explodes! with the Master Jailer's key ring, the only thing left remaining. Later, Clark finds Pete and Lana outside the Capitol building. President Luthor rings Pete on his cell phone and leaves Clark the message that he's faster than a speeding bullet. 
Back in the dark room of the Master Jailer, a shadowy figure indicates that both the Jailer and Neutron survived the encounter, and he is determined to find Superman's weakness. As Senator Calvin Kale of the Committee on Metahuman Affairs is on a televised interview in Metropolis, in Smallville, the Atomic Skull attacks the Kent farm as Jonathan and Martha Kent are about to sit down to breakfast. The Skull blows up the Kent kitchen and already has an unconscious Superboy by the hair. Jonathan blasts the Atomic Skull in the head with his double-barrel shotgun. Staggering outside, Superman tosses the Skull into the sky and out of harm's way. Smallville High coach Walt Andrews is targeted by the supervillain with the ability to multiply Riot. Superman then makes short work of Riot and returns the coach's hat. Quakemaster is sent after Clark Kent's dentist, and with one super flick of a finger, the dentist is saved. The pattern continues. Helgramite goes after an old college professor, and Superman puts the kibosh on him. Firefist attacks his local library, and the Man of Steel uses Freeze Breath to incapacitate him. Ratcatcher goes after his doctor, Bug-Eyed Bandit his accountant, high-tech his optometrist. Jimmy Olsen is later attacked by King Shark at the restaurant chain Planet Krypton. Superman knocks out King Shark's teeth. After the battle, when Metro Special Crimes Unit are carting him away, King Shark tells Superman that he heard a voice in his head. Finally, Superman sees a fire at the Daily Planet building and flies off to save Lois Lane. Evil Star and his creatures, the Starlings, are attacking the Daily Planet building as Superman swoops in to stop him. Across town, Natasha Irons is attacked by Rock, but is able to defeat him using a gauntlet created by her uncle. Stripe comes to pick her up and tells her that Rock is only the tip of the iceberg and that the Steelworks and her uncle Steel are under attack by Terraman. The Metropolis Special Crimes Unit would have shown up to help, but they are under attack from Thaddeus Kilgrave and his robotic spiders. Back at the Daily Planet, Superman distracts Evil Star while Lois begins to contact all close friends and family directing them to rendezvous at the Steelworks, as someone has learned that Superman is really Clark Kent. Back at the Steelworks, Steel combats both Terraman and Rock, while Pat Dugan, the pilot of Strike, engages the microwave degenerator, helping to defeat the pair of villains. At the planet, Perry White asks how Superman can endure all of Evil Star's attacks. In actuality, the solar energy from the blasts is making Superman stronger, and Superman unloads an epic blast of heat vision, stopping Evil Star in his tracks. Superman arrives at the Steelworks to meet Steel, just as dozens of Clark Kent's friends and family start to arrive on site. When Franklin Stern and Jimmy Olsen aren't so sure about using the Steelworks as a panic room, Lois Lane reassures them that this is the best place to be. As the dome protects those closest to the Man of Steel, Steel intends to patrol Metropolis in Superman's place as he goes on the offensive. However, a voice causes Steel to fly out of control and tells Superman to follow his hunch that Lex Luthor is behind the entire scheme. With President Luthor missing, the Secret Service discusses the possibility of Pete Ross being sworn in as president. Superman has located Luthor by honing in on his heartbeat in a secret facility known only to Luthor. 
Luthor confirms to Superman that he knows he is Clark Kent, but he is not responsible for the recent attacks on his friends and family. An explosion rocks the chamber, revealing the elite have arrived. However, they only expected to be facing Luthor. When Superman emerges from the rubble, Hat runs off screaming, Not him! Not him! Menagerie and Coldcast attack, but almost against their will. Menagerie tries to fight the urge to attack Superman and collapses with a stroke. Coldcast cradles her body and tells Superman to do the right thing for once when the man responsible comes for him, to kill him. Superman follows Hat back to Bunny, the living ship of the elite, only to find it has been possessed by the consciousness of the cyborg Superman. Cyborg makes Bunny larger and larger, trapping Superman in an infinite loop. However, without any other machines to transfer his consciousness to in the infinite loop, Superman no longer has to hold back and smashes everything on the ship, trapping the cyborg within it as a prison. With complete understanding of who has set all these events in motion, Superman declares, I'm coming for you, Manchester Black. I'm coming for you. With a power-up from Manchester Black, the Master Jailer has made the entire city of Metropolis his penitentiary. But instead of finding Black or the Jailer, Superman is hit with a pie in the face from the Prankster. While the Prankster is filming this all live, Bizarro swoops in to combat Superman. Neutron arrives in his new containment suit and drives an oil tanker truck into them both. While Prankster howls with glee, Superman lifts the truck overhead and sends it flying back towards Prankster and Neutron, telling Prankster to get out of the way. Superman tosses Neutron into orbit and moves on to fighting Terra Man and his plant life. This includes a face hugger designed to suck the solar energy away from the Man of Steel. Superman is not deterred, and Heat visions the face hugger off and proceeds to Kirby smash Terra Man into the prison wall. Mr. Mitzelblick pops in from the fifth dimension. His jibber jabber quickly ceases when he observes the angry red eyes of anger, copyright Michael Bailey, on Superman's face and Kiltip Zixums himself back to the fifth dimension. Valerie Van Haften, aka the female puzzler, attacks Superman next and is blown apart into many pieces by Super Breath. Eventually, to his horror, Superman finds the Master Jailer surrounded by citizens of Metropolis, now turned into Super Gimps. As the Jailer's construct lifts Superman into the air, he begins to grow dizzy and weak. This is because he has been brought face to face with Metallo, the man with the kryptonite heart. As the Master Jailer and Metallo close in on a Superman, hunched over in pain, the Man of Steel grabs Metallo by the Jailer's own chain link and smashes Metallo over the railing into the dam wall. With Metallo's kryptonite heart flying out of his chest, the Master Jailer dives after it, fleeing the Man of Steel. Superman pauses to resist any mental attacks from Manchester Black, wondering what prisoners were in the Elite's trans-dimensional ship Bunny. It is revealed in a two-page spread that Black has, quote-unquote, brought on the bad guys, essentially the bad guys from the Marvel Universe, so to speak. 
Much to any Marvel zombie's chagrin, Superman defeats all the major Marvel villains, while Senator Kale and Lois Lane have their own escapades during the crisis. With one crisis averted, another looms on the horizon as the Master Jailer has brought his own gang to take on Superman. Bizarro, Mongol, Silver Banshee, and the Master Jailer himself with Metallo's kryptonite heart stand ready to face the Man of Steel. Lois Lane fucks shit up by returning to their apartment and opens the front door to find none other than Manchester Black there waiting for her. With Superman pushed to the brink of exhaustion, the so-called anti-Kryptonian brigade make their attack. Meanwhile, Manchester Black plants horrible images in Lois Lane's mind to torture her while beating her physically. Lois sees Black as her father, Sam Lane. When Bizarro knocks Superman into orbit, he gets a recharge from the sun and defeats both Bizarro and Mongol. Manchester Black has implanted the Kryptonian language into the mind of Silver Banshee, and she now attacks Superman at the equator with full force. Bizarro gets a second wind and knocks Superman over to an island to face the Master Jailer, who has laced the kryptonite heart of Metallo as dust into the sand. Superman then brings Neutron down from orbit and uses him to nuke the island. With the anti-Kryptonian brigade undone, Superman funnels the nuclear fallout cloud into space and sends it into the sun. As Superman speeds back to Metropolis, Steel, having recovered from Manchester Black's neural synapse attack, alerts Superman that Lois has left the Steelworks and is probably at their apartment. He arrives only to find a bloody Lois on the floor with a knife and Manchester Black gloating that Superman is too late. Manchester Black tells Superman the heartbeat he thinks belongs to Lois Lane is actually his own and his wife is dead. Black explains how he uncovered his secret during Our Worlds at War when Sam Lane died and the guards on his mind momentarily dropped in a moment of grief for Lois's father. Black's revenge for Superman's takedown of his authority is complete. Superman attempts the same heat vision trick from before, but Black has a new double talk reflective implant that prevents this from happening twice. Superman fries Black to a skeleton sentinel style with his heat vision, but it turns out this is only all playing out in Superman's head. Superman tells Black he will not dishonor the memory of his wife over him. Undone because Superman refuses to kill him, the illusion of Lois's death dissipates, revealed to be one big bluff by Manchester Black. Black leaves Lois and Superman to their snog fest, cleans up all evidence that Luthor had on Clark Kent, and kills himself. After a long love session, Superman dons his original, forsaking the morning Black S-Shield costume, and is back to patrolling Metropolis at sunrise. All right. I, I know that wasn't so short, but hopefully it got the point across and covered what the events were that happened in ending battle to everybody's satisfaction. Uh, I have a lot to say about this, obviously. There's eight issues. I've got notes on all eight issues. There's less notes as, as the story continues, I guess. I think I have a bunch of stuff to say in terms of context, maybe. And then I think I'm just going to ask kind of you know, my usual questions to, to Justin and Mike, 
you know, have they read it before and what did they think of it? Maybe, maybe high level, you know, did you like it? Did you hate it? Like that kind of thing. But before I do that, I know I've been talking for a long time just to give some, I guess, historical context to, to what was going on, maybe with me and maybe with Superman at the time. This is this story ending battle is post whatever happened to truth, justice in the American way. It's post our world's at war and it takes place during the Lex Luthor administration in the comic books uh, over on the justice league cartoon. Superman was busy to like, you know, jobbing over to manhole covers and electricity and stupid shit like that. I was probably on the Wizard World Superhero Showdown forums yelling at people, talking stupid shit like Krillin could beat up Superman. Uh, Smallville had been on for a couple years, so that was that was picking up and everything. I've always said, even though I don't think anybody ever listens to me, that this is Superman's hush for the era. I think, obviously, I'm not a big fan of Hush, right? But I, I think I like this story better because it's also kind of like Superman's version of Enter the Dragon or like a video game or The Raid or I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, there's there's different levels and he has to sort of like, you know, fight his way through this kind of, you know, maze, you know, to get to the main bad guy, like that whole kind of thing. And not only is this story like a lot of the stories in this particular era, a, a vehicle to combat, you know, what I'm going to call jobbing Superman syndrome, but it's also to showcase his rogues gallery, which I think, you know, gets an equal amount of dismissal. Like I'm sure there's tons of clips of Bruce Tim going, oh, Superman's rogues gallery isn't as cool as Batman's. Not every hero starts off with a great cast of villains and, Supermans are kind of, you know, they're they're okay. And you know, people would be like, "Who's the best rogues gallery?" It's Spider-Man and Batman, followed by the Flash. And everybody wants to sort of rag on Superman's rogues gallery. Supermans are kind of, you know, they're they're okay. But I think at least in this, I mean, this probably doesn't even have some of my favorite Superman villains, right? Like, it doesn't have Brainiac, it doesn't have Maxima, it doesn't have like cer certain characters that that you know, I would I would certainly say I love, but I think it does a good job of of putting Superman up against some of his most dangerous villains and even villains that maybe are not so dangerous, but still are part of this, you know, kind of, you know, these trials that he has to go through in this in this storyline. And, you know, I guess, you know, I brought up the Smallville thing because, you know, th this was kind of it, they hadn't moved quite so far in this direction, but the seeds of it were there where there, there were kind of trying to walk back the Lana Lang Pete Ross marriage because I think Smallville had been on the air for a couple of years. And I think the whole, you know, zeitgeist or the corporate synergy was like, we, we don't want people to find things unrecognizable in the Superman comics, you know, which is weird because he's married to Lois. Right. But it seemed like they were trying to sort of, you know, not have it be unfamiliar that at some point Clark and Lana were a thing and basically, like, you know, just the final thing I'll say about the context is this era of Superman titles is is one of my favorites. But it, it was kind of like a second renaissance, starting with, I'd say, like the Y2K storyline. 
and moving into things like Critical Condition, Emperor Joker, Our Worlds at War. Like there were all these kind of big storylines that a lot of these creators that were listed earlier, not all of them, but a lot of them worked on. And so like this was kind of like, you know, getting a second wind, you know, after I, I think I, I don't want to be mean because I, I, I think I came back later and bought a lot of some of the stuff I had missed in between, say, I don't know, uh, I probably quit or, 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 or lost track of Superman titles, you know, somewhere uh, when their engagement was on and off and then maybe i i got a little bit into it again with the you know the superman red and blue and then finally they they solidified you know the the marriage and things like that but there there were a lot of titles you know in between that era and and where things petered out like once once they had exhausted all the big events you know they they did death of superman they did the the reign of the supermen they did uh, conduit they did massacre you know uh, dead again like all all these kind of things that they tried to hype up and then you know superman red superman blue and 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 tried to come back to the marriage long after lois and clark was was done or whatever and and so there were some wavering things, which you know later I read, and they weren't they weren't so bad. They had like these arcs like King Superman and Dominus and stuff like that. But I think I think the general zeitgeist were like it was the same creative teams, and people were a little they were a little burnt out on that stuff. So I think this era kind of was was a revitalization for you know being excited about superman and i'll I'll probably have some more comments about that later but i just kind of wanted to lay that down as far as context and now i think i'll do the the standard like had either of you guys read this before let's back up i think krillin could be superman okay fuck you <laughs> fuck you <laughs> fuck he you. is the strongest he, he is the strongest man on earth yeah, he can beat him in a fucking a hair shaving contest. Like that's about he can, it. He can beat him in a how expensive their figure arts contest is. He, he he could he could beat him in a in a how big he simps for fucking Android uh, eighteen contest. I don't know, but that's about it. Uh, but no, I never read this before. Okay, okay. What what about what about you, Mike? Nope, never read this book. Okay, okay. And then and then I guess having never read this. Why don't you? I mean, I don't. I, we we probably haven't talked about this on air, but like, like, did you think I was a a nut job? Like, like, talk about like, like what, what were your expectations, and then and then what was reality for you? And then I guess maybe you know toss in whether you liked it or hated it or what what you thought of it. I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, it was an eight issue run of various Superman comics that you picked, so I was like, okay, well they're this has to be pretty good for you to pick it for, you know, me and Mike to read. At first I was like, okay, it looks like we've got some new bad guys that I was not at all familiar with. Like I, you know, I read Superman off and on during the nineties, but I think after like the, you know, blue and red era, I think I kind of dropped off Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. quite a bit. So I hadn't really been paying attention to, Superman a lot definitely wasn't through this era I mean during this era was when I was like really buying like I don't know a dozen DC books a month and maybe like one or two Marvel books so this was like you know this is my my heyday for buying like a bunch of DC books but for whatever reason I just wasn't paying too much attention to Superman but um I sat down and read this and I was like 
okay, I think I kind of get why Derek likes this. It's like Superman is just like running the gauntlet through like he's fighting like new bad guys and he's fighting like a lot of old familiar faces and somehow they know who he is and they're targeting the people in Clark's life. I was like, okay, like I get it. This is going somewhere. I definitely didn't expect like who it was at the end. Like when you were doing your synopsis and you say, you know, uh, hello, Boy Scout or whatever, you, right, whatever right, he says. Right. Like when you do it in that accent, like it makes sense. But when you're reading that first issue and you see that bubble, you're just like, okay. And I kind of forgot about it until like until you said it in that voice. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. But I was like, oh, it's him. Like, like. I guess this shows my ignorance, but I didn't even know that he came back to Superman books. Like I'd always been kind of okay. curious. Okay. I was like, well, he would like, that was such a great comic and it really like got to like what Superman is. You know, all these people are like Superman's lame. He doesn't kill people or whatever. I'm like, no, like this is like, that's why Superman's great. So I'd always been curious, like if they ever brought him back and they did. And I was like, this is great. Like once again, like this, this is one of those things you should make people read who are like Superman's lame, all that stuff. Because like once again, like Superman proves why he is Superman. Like he, even after he thinks like Lois has been murdered and all this, and like everything inside of him is screaming like kill this guy, like just do it. Like he murdered your wife. He's been sending all these bad guys after your, you know, your friends and your your family and everybody. Like just kill this guy. Get rid of him. He won't exist anymore. Even after all that. He still refuses, and like that's what makes Superman Superman. He doesn't give in to that thought or those feelings. He resists. He resists it completely. And I was like, "Oh man, this is so great!" And then just the end where he's, he just kind of like he doesn't know what to do, and he just kind of like fucks off. He's like, "What do I do now?" <laughs> right. I was like, "That's great." I was like, "I love that so much." And then how how about you, Mike? Like. I had like I didn't when you said the name of this story I was kind of low well, I had never heard of it before and uh like and, and and when I when I heard the name of it at first I was like like ending battle like that sounds kind of generic like and then like I don't I didn't somehow I didn't you probably said how old it was but I didn't like remember or I wasn't paying attention to you I mean you talk a lot Derek so I mean I can't <laughs> but <laughs> But what? No. <laughs> no. But no. like so. <laughs> but I, I, I was assuming. Oh, this must be like thirty or forty or you know, thirty or forty years old or something. Like this must be something old. Like this must be something from the eighties or nineties. So like when I looked up the first issue, I was like, oh no, this is like early two thousands. And then I was kind of thinking like. Yeah, like Justin said, like, why why did Derek pick this then? Like, uh, I was like, it can't be, it can't be good if it's, like, past, like, Derek's, like, sell-by date or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, but, like, once I got into it, like, a couple issues in, like, I was, like, really into it. And, like, I was kind of really reminded, like, this is, like, you know, uh, I, I was eagerly back into comp like just about almost back into comics at this point and i was like getting re rediscovering my passion for them because like you know it, it had been killed by the you know burn mackie reboot of spider-man so like i was getting back into a com comics when this came out and like i don't know it just reminded me of that vibe and like i, I don't know like um creators like 
I feel like, you know, comics went into this thing in the late, like late nineties, like to like drastically reinvent shit and like, you know, change things around and stuff. But then the early two thousands, they got back to, no, let's just tell really good stories with like classic characters and like classic villains and like, you know, really make things like, you know, epic again. And I, I don't know that really, this this story really like kind of recaptured that feeling for me and like like Justin said like uh, I also like it didn't occur to me like who it could possibly be who was behind this like until I think when the elite actually showed up I was like wait where's Manchester Black and then I was like oh oh wait a minute wait maybe he's the like mastermind behind the whole thing and yeah that's that's you know how it turns out and yeah so uh, yeah I was. I was thoroughly engaged by this the entire way. I did I did have to look up when I finished reading, like you said, like I was like, does this predate Hush? And I was like, yeah, it, only, it predates Hush by like only like a year or two. So like Jeff Loeb is even more of a hack than I thought. Like, so, I mean, and it, it's not like this, this, this like whole story structure hasn't been used before. Like, right. I mean, right. You, you always like say that Batman annual where Rachel Ghoul like sends his whole ro mm -hmm. rogues gallery against them. And I mean, this isn't exactly Superman's whole rogues gallery, but I thought, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of structured almost like a video game where yeah. it's like yeah. you have, you know, the, the like squads of mooks like mook villains mm -hmm. and then you have like the mini bosses like metallo and like you know mm -hmm. uh, uh like you know the bigger name guys who show up metallo bizarro mm -hmm. you know whoever else like neutron yeah so yeah but i mean all the fights are really good like like you said so i was like when i was deep into it i was like well i can see why derek likes this like superman like is totally like you know kicking ass in this like and I, I really liked that whole, yeah, when they, they sent, like, the the non-trademark infringing, like, Marvel, thinly disguised <laughs> Marvel villains after him. Like, that that was really cool. Like, I really liked that bit where he did, like, the like Cyclops, like, precision shot with his heat vision. Like, I thought that was a cool bit. Like, that that's one of those bits, like, when... Again, you would see Cyclops do it like in probably like, you know, that in the all new, all different X-Men like era when, you know, Claremont was kind of writing him as the veteran X-Man. So like, you know, he'd do that like skill shot and like Nightcrawler would be like, oh, like, uh, uh, how did how did you do that, Scott? Like, and, you know, Cyclops would just be like, oh, I'm an old hand. Like, I know how to do these things, you know. And that's like, you know, that Superman, you know, says something like that, where he's like, you know, oh, I can do all these moves. Like, I haven't done this one in a while. Like, and, you know, it's 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 just it's just cool to see, you know, your favorite hero be so like capable, I guess, yeah. like, you know, and experienced. But but yeah, like, I, I really did enjoy this. I mean, I have some questions about like the specifics of this, you know, era. Like, I, obviously, I, I haven't read as many DC comics as either of you, but I mean. I, I I knew like there was nothing that made me go like what the hell is this like or you know like nothing that oh man like I'm giving up because I don't understand anything like you know so yeah the, 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 I I really enjoyed this is basically what I'm saying so cool cool good I'm, I mean I'm glad you guys had a good time I mean it's not I don't I, I you know I don't always want to do things to to punish you or whatever. I know it's kind of a big ass to read a big storyline or whatever, but it, it 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 was something I was always kind of fond of, and I was probably kind of like thirsty, you know, like this whole era. I think was 
was that thing of like, oh, I was so tired of, you know, seeing Superman job on television. You know what I mean? Like it was just like left and right. He, you know, he, he just, you know, you, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you do it to push my buttons. Right. But I mean, some of those fucking people probably had points, right? Like, especially if all you saw was Superman picking up a manhole cover and going, you know, like that, that Superman probably could get his ass kicked by Krillin. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You know? And when you read something like this, then 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 watching the the death battle that everybody's outraged about, do you know what I mean? Like when you read this, you're like, oh fuck, like this this dude's pretty fucking badass, you know? Like he can he can kick some major ass and stuff. So like that's yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, I, Derek, I think... you know, Krillin does throw manhole covers. <laughs> uh, fuck. Anyway, but um. I guess getting get I'll, I'll start getting into some of my specific notes, but maybe try to tie them into some of the things that you guys brought up. But like the 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 Manchester Black thing, like I, I think it's interesting because like it's a pretty decent reveal and mystery. I I do feel like they they were pointing towards Lex Luthor as the red herring, and I feel like that final page in the first part is a little unfair because you sort of see the shadowy figure and the shadowy figure kind of looks bald. So like, I'm, I'm like, that's a little, you know, like that's a little unfair, right? Like, but I, I felt like the way it's interesting because I guess I'm proud to say I own a page from that issue of Superman now, a page of original art. And I sent you guys like a uh, email today with, with just a photo of one of the panels, just to show you that there was on, on that don't tug on Superman's Cape page in that final panel, there, there was an extra word balloon that was uh, omitted, you know, besides just, you know, hello boy scout, you know, it was like, there was, there was another panel, which I think, was likely to try to keep the identity of the big bad a little more mysterious for a little bit longer where, you know, it's like, I think Neutron says like, now you're getting into it. You're fighting like an animal. And, and in Superman's head, he hears, you know, you will fight like an animal, you know, like, like, and, and like that, he you know, the, the notion is Manchester black is kind of not only pushing Superman's buttons just by the way he's manipulating everything, but also mentally, pushing Superman's buttons in his head, right? So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, even though that might have, you know, it, it's kind of like it might have given Justin that, hey, that makes sense moment, like, way too early, right, for 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 an eight-part storyline, right? It's fine if you get it by part four when the elite show up and he's not there, and you're like, hey, like, that's, that's probably fine, because by the end of that, even Superman's like, I know who's behind this now. I'm coming for you, Manchester Black. So it's like you kind of figure it out right around the time Superman figures it out, right? As far as like the the creative stuff for for the first issue, you know, like Jeff Johns wasn't exactly the superstar writer just yet. But I mean, every time Jeff Johns wrote an issue of Superman, whether it was just some kids playing baseball or something like this, I was usually happy to have him writing it. I mean, I, I know Justin kind of said that some of these villains were quote unquote new. I mean, I guess, you know, to, to me, like the newest villains were people like, you know, I don't know, the elite and riot and maybe uh, high tech and um, 
you know, Cyborg Superman or something like that. But like Ma Master Jailer and Neutron, I think, are maybe an indication of what Johns would do with other villains, like try to revamp them just a little bit, you know, make them a little more scarier, you know, kind of like, and, and maybe not go overboard, like with Black Hand, you know, being a necrophiliac or whatever the fuck was going on with that. But like something where it was just, you know, just scary enough, you know, where, where, you know, you're like, holy crap, he turned Metropolis into a city of gimps or whatever, you know, like what the fuck is going, you know, like, like there is something like creepy about the master jailer in this, whereas he's not, you know, the, 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 the Kurt Swan, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a Superman version of lockdown, you know, he's just, you know, kind of like a dude that's like locking people up and this and that or whatever. Pasquale Ferry is probably like you know i always say like tom grummet is my favorite of the triangle era four during like the death of superman i think pascal ferry is probably my favorite of the four in in this you know he's probably my favorite interior artist i always love like this whole playing possum thing like where he's you know it looks like he's captured by the master jailer stuff but then he's He's just warming things up and he does the heat vision blast to the master jailer. Like I, I don't mind like stuff like that. I think that's kind of cool. There's a lot of nice Kevin Nolan covers like throughout this where they, they, you know, th those are the ones that, I don't know, they're kind of like highlighting, you know, so, you know, some of the story beats and, and points, you know, where, where Superman is, who he's fighting, like that kind of stuff. I prefer Joe Kelly to Joe Casey. But th this is something that might be some more additional context for you guys. Joe Casey wrote some really good Superman title, you know, books right around this era, including this, like right around the same time. And the reason why he, I mean, you know, this is just supposition on my part. I don't know for a fact, but the reason why he probably ended up getting the Superman gig was because he did the ongoing Mr. Majestic series. And that book came out right around the tail end before the Superman books, in my opinion, started getting good again. Like th this came out before Y2K and this era I'm talking about. And I remember the common like, you know, I don't know, water cooler talk around the comic shop was you know, kind of like when, when Alan Moore Supreme came out and everybody was like, oh, that's the best Superman book on the stands. Like when Majestic was coming out, that ongoing Majestic book, the, the people in the store were always like, especially the owners, were like, oh, that Majestic book is the best Superman book on the stands. Because everybody was so kind of burnt out, you know, the, the kind of what Justin was saying, like after he read Superman Red, Superman Blue and, and the wedding stuff, like he was kind of... He was kind of Audi 5000, and I think most of us were kind of Audi 5000 at that point. We had kind of, we, we were burnt out. We kind of had enough. But when you started hearing stuff like, oh, that Majestic book is is a real, you know, it's not Superman, but it's the best Superman book there is, you know, like that kind of thing. And I think, you know, probably rightfully so, you know, the, the powers that be, right, were like, hey, let's get this Joe Casey cat to write some Superman, you know? I, I could see, like, uh, I know Mike was talking about, like, errors and questions and confusion and all this kind of stuff. I could see how maybe since there, it, it seemed like Derek Coin got into doing, like, lots of tiny 
panels like like what I noticed about his art is, you know, there could be anywhere from up to like 10 or 12 panels on a page. Like it seemed like he wanted to tell lots of story in each of the pages. And I think when you're first introduced to Superboy, who doesn't virtually play any role in this other just to, you know, be unconscious, right, from the atomic skulls attack on the Kent farm. And he was probably like, uh, I'm trying to remember the current, like, era, but I think, I, I don't know if he was necessarily living there at the time, but I think, you know, he probably spent time on the Kent farm and they knew, they knew who he was and he was part of the, you know, quote unquote, family, right? So it's not unusual that that he would be around the Kent farm or anything like that, but I mean, that that first panel where he's introduced is kind of small, and the, the costume he was wearing is not, I, I wouldn't call it, you know, it's not his classic 90s costume, and it's not exactly a memorable costume either. It's not something he wore in television and media like the the Young Justice or the Titans costume, where it's kind of more the, the Jeff Johns era with the, the black t-shirt and the red S and jeans. It's It's this kind of I don't know, John McCrea, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else did it. I think Pascal Ferry did it for a little while, too. This kind of update to his costume where it's a little bit like the original one, but he kind of had the red jacket and all this stuff. And so I, I could see why, since it was kind of short-lived, you might initially be confused and go, who the fuck is that, right? I'd just like to point out that Quake Master is a stupid Batman villain that people conveniently overlook when they say Batman's rogues are the greatest ever, because you'll notice that a fucking finger flick from Superman took out the Batman villain. That's that's about all he was worth, was a finger flick. Fire Fist is a Blue Beetle villain. Bug-Eyed Bandit is the son of the original Adam villain who died during Crisis on Infinite Earths. And you might be going, why the fuck is King Shark wearing Black Canary's costume when he attacks Jimmy Olsen? And the only explanation I can give you is that I think it was supposed to be a disguise, as stupid as that sounds. Like, he, you know, everyone in Planet Krypton dresses up like superheroes when they're the waiters and the waitresses. So I guess King Shark only saw a Black Canary costume on site and dressed up in that when he was trying to, like, take Jimmy Olsen's order and then, like, eat him or attack him or whatever. That, that that's what I was kind of assuming. I was like, oh, it must be a theme restaurant. Yeah, was, yeah. But I was also like, thank you, Derek, for that image of King Shark and Black Canary's costume. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I didn't make it. If it was up to me, it'd just be King Shark. But yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, that's just I, I think that's a carryover from Kingdom Come, really, right? Like that's where, as far as I know, that's where Planet Krypton first showed up. Kind of a take on planet hollywood and and they they would have you know people dressed up like you know the, the whole gag was you know i i forget who it was was it like somebody dressed up like superman or batman or some shit and then you know bruce wayne like rolling his fucking eyes is like uh give me a steak well done because i'm batman or whatever and he would roll his eyes at you know whoever was serving them and stuff like that was the whole gag so i guess it's just a takeoff or a continuation on that you know, Evil Star is an old Green Lantern villain, you know, an old Hal Jordan Green Lantern villain. I, I think it's cool when, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's not so much that Superman's owing. It's 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 like he he's get he's taking all this punishment and Perry White's like, how can you do this? And then it turns out the twist is like, well, wait, Evil Star's solar powered. Evil Star is actually making me stronger. And again, you get like these awesome, you know, Zam! heat vision blasts and stuff like that like i love that shit it's super awesome 
the gentleman who's kind of questioning, uh, along with Jimmy Olsen, the, you know, staying in the super panic room in the steelworks is Franklin Stern. And he, at the time, was the owner publisher of the Daily Planet. I know there, there were periods where Lex Luthor owned the Daily Planet post-crisis. And then there were periods, I think Franklin Stern eventually buys it out from Luthor, uh, probably with help from Perry or something like that. And then I, I seem to remember at some point later, they actually did do the thing where like Bruce Wayne owns the Daily Planet. So I don't know when it changed over from Franklin Stern to Bruce Wayne, but I, I think that that's who that, you know, just for context, like that's who that is, because I know he's not. He's not a, a hugely well-known supporting cast member unless you're like, you know, religiously reading Superman comics and stuff like that. So going back to Joe Kelly, like he's probably like just like Pascal Ferry, I said, was like my favorite artist of, of these kind of uh, collaborators. Like Joe Kelly was my favorite Superman writer of this era. Like I know we waxed this car before, you know, on on Deadpool, you know, on his Deadpool run. But he wrote some some really great modern era Superman stories, just like Justin brought up. He he brought up, you know, Action Comics 775. That's the whole elite thing. You know, what's so great about truth, justice in the American way? I would also cite, I mean, you know, like basically like all the major stories that came out that I think are pretty good, you know, he he wrote chapters in, right? Like Y2K and Emperor Joker and Our Worlds at War and all that stuff. But one of the single issues that I'd recommend if no one's read it is Action Comics 761. And that's basically like a storyline where he spends like thousands of years in a war with Wonder Woman. And of course, it was frequently brought up on the Wizard World Showdown because he, he basically is like fighting in Asgard and like I think Thor croaks and he picks up the hammer and all this like, you know, stuff to sort of like chode Thor in like Wizard World Showdown boards. Like that was always like the stupid go to issue to explain like Superman fought for thousands of years and him and Wonder Woman fought and they nearly shagged and and, uh, you know, and, and, and Thor fell by the wayside in this war. But Superman and Wonder Woman kept going. So that's why, you know, they're cooler or whatever, like that whole thing. Duncan Rouleau has a, a pretty unique style, but I kind of appreciate it. I was thinking, like, especially Mike, maybe you remember, like, he did that Venom the Hunted miniseries. Like, I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. Uh, so he did that. I think there was, I don't know, I, I say recently, but it's probably like, you know, 10 years old or something by now. But he he did a Metal Men miniseries. And then, um, Justin, you, you, I think you were reading some of these on the regular. Like, do you remember that Superman Red Blue segment where it was like Martha Kent and she was like talking to like two bitty bodies in like a Smallville diner or something? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's nice that you adopted, but you know, it's too bad you can't have your own kid. And by the end of it, she's kind of like, Clark is my own or whatever and gets all indignant and walks out yeah. like like he he did that as well which I was I was kind of like looking at that again going like oh he's kind of he's kind of tweaked his style I mean it still has that uniqueness about it but it's it, it kind of reminds me of Ian Churchill where he had a certain style in the 90s and he kind of either you know came into his own or or gradually transitioned you know tweaked his style so that it's it's a bit different than than it used to be or whatever. But I mean, I, I, I still appreciate it. I think it's fine. 
I really like that that conversation between Superman and Luther, you know, prior to the elite showing up, like you kind of, you know, it's, it, it's cool. Cause like they're, they're, they're kind of talking to each other with respect and it's kind of a, a standard Superman Luther scene, but it's also interesting because they kind of, they kind of go back to that early post-crisis thing. Like Luther had a thing for Lois and he still kind of has a thing for Lois. So it's almost like him saying like, look, man, like I would never, kill Lois like that's not in my interest you know what I mean like so so he's kind of they're, they're kind of I don't know they're, they're kind of showing each other their cards and stuff like that I mean that moment when Hat runs off screaming because he's like super terrified of Superman I I fucking love the hell out of that and and I thought it was a cool idea to have Cyborg Superman basically possess you know the quote-unquote authority ship you know like that was kind of a cool idea too I, I think my quotes get a little, or my my notes get a little more narrow as as the story keeps going. But I mean, I I think the uh, you know again the Pascal Ferry art in the the second Superman book as we go through this has like all this fantastic art, and this is the one where it's just tons of beatdowns from Superman on all these guys until Metallo shows up, and and I love that moment where he he basically tells Prankster to move. He tosses Neutron into space, and then that that moment where he's all pissed off at Mitzelflick, you know, like all super boss moments. I thought maybe I might get more pushback on the whole, you know, Superman beats up the fucking Marvel villains from you guys, but uh, I, I, you know, because I thought to some people that might be controversial, but I think most people, I guess, you know, if 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 you're, you know, if you're into having fun or whatever, you kind of laugh it off or, you know, wh however you want to view it or whatever. Right. But I, again, I feel like that's a direct reaction to, you know, shit like the wizard world showdown forum, you know, all the Marvel fanboys that are like, you know, I, I mean, we used to have so much like now I look back at it fondly, but it's kind of like a watchman thing. It's kind of like, it actually sucked. Like, like you would sit there and write like, you know, paragraphs and pull up all these panels of proof and everything and people would be like dude wolverine can dodge bullets man and then my buddy would be like fuck you robin can fucking dodge bullets here's seven panels of fucking tim drake dodging bullets so by your rationale like robin has super speed so fuck you know it was like all this all this funny ass shit that we would go through but like now now that it's like you know 20 years old and shit we're like fucking uh the silk specter we're like oh it was great it was great back then. Everything was awesome. Like it was, it was so cool or whatever. So I have this weird, like sentimentality for that, even though it was fucking dumb as shit. Like I would get into all these flame wars and be like, fuck you. Like Superman would kick over his ass and shit. And I, I or, we, we, we would we would do stuff like it was funny like people would be like Vegeta's just gonna throw a big bang out and then and my buddy was like uh, dude but then the doctor from the authority turns the big bang into a bouquet of flowers and they punch him in the fucking face <laughs> you know like like it, it was just it was super fucking funny so I remember people arguing for a long time if Wolverine could actually cut the Silver Surfer yeah it was just just all this ridiculous fucking crap right yeah and so so you would argue back and forth about all these dumb fucking things but anyway it was you know whatever i i like i said i'm sentimental about it and that's what this era of comic books i feel like reminds me of in the sense that like th these were direct reactions to that 
I don't know, ignorance or something, you know, it's just like, no, dude, like, this is, this is how it would work. Like, it wouldn't, wouldn't be some other way. Like, this is, you know, like, or, or, or just pushing back against it. Like, whether you think it's like, oh, dude, it's just Superman in his own book, bro. And these are all pastiches. If it was the real Galactus, like, that would never go down or whatever. And it's like, fine, like, you know, you can, you can have all that, right? But it's like, it's still, it was something I felt like, the scales were highly unbalanced with all the ooing and dumb shit that was on television. And like, this was the universe's way of like writing those scales and stuff, you know? So like, I, I dig all those, like the, the double page splashes where it's like the, the him against all the, the, the faux Marvel bad guys. And also that anti-Kryptonian brigade where it's like Bizarro, Mongol, Silver Banshee and Master Jailer. Like those are super cool. I really like Carlos Pacheo and like he did the cover to the Man of Steel 131. Like that might be my favorite cover of the eight. But Doe in that almost has kind of like a like a Bart Sears thing going on, like with all the musculature and, and the way everybody looks. I love the whole like rope dope thing where he talks about doing that on Mongol. It's almost like a callback to you know, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. I love when they do this stuff. Like, I, I think this, this especially, like, they they did this a lot with Ed McGinnis when Superman had his rematch with Doomsday in Superman 175. But you can also see it in this when he's fighting Mongol at the equator. I love when they do the after image effect shit. Like, like that to me is a direct response to people going, dude, bro, Goku has instant transmission. Superman couldn't do shit against instant transmission. And I'm like, look, dude, he's doing it right there. Like he's literally like super speeding and blocking fucking Mongols, like super speed punches and all this other stuff. So it's like, that was like a direct response to that. I thought it was a super cool, clever, clever idea for Manchester Black to like telepathically transmit Kryptonian into Silver Banshee's brain so that she can use her 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 uh, whale to fuck up Superman even more. Like that's a total like, you know, Warren Ellis, Grant Morrison, like, you know, like super cool idea like concept or whatever you know it's like it's like futurism but with like kryptonian silver banshee you know or whatever like i don't know i think that's a cool idea like i i think also this probably speaks to me in the sense that like cyclops spoke to us during like the utopia era where like they they really had superman walk the line you know what i mean and this was the tightrope act where it's like well no one's on this island so it's fine for him to like nuke the island with neutron do you know what i mean so it's like he's super boss he does something it doesn't destroy the environment he cleans it all up afterwards but it's like he still gets to like take out like four of his fucking deadliest enemies by nuking the fuck out of them and it's like it's not this you know you know, it's more fun, right? It's not this thing of like, you know, I don't know, Dark Knight Returns or something. It's like, oh, he, he, you know, it's it's all super serious and and everything like the sun's blotted out and all this other stuff. It's like, no, this is just like he he owns these guys and then he quickly fucking cleans it up and throws it into the sun and that's it. 
The only cover I really don't care for too much is the final cover. And that's actually, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it's by Dan Jurgens and Bill Sienkiewicz. And I, I know it's probably sacrilege because everybody's supposed to love Bill Sienkiewicz, uh, you know. But, like, I, I remember when he did this with, like, Sal Bashima on Spider-Man, too. And I was always like, I don't know. I don't like his heavy inks on other people's art because it, it, it reminds me of, like, kind of how I feel about what's his face on uh, Avengers or whatever. Tom Palmer. Like that, that he always overpowers like the original art, you know, and I get that they were going for a certain vibe and that the cover kind of works for that, but it's just, you know, it's not my cup of tea. And you know, the, the, the ending, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like, it's like sometimes like, especially like our worlds at war, I make fun of the ending with that. So like, I get that sometimes like these can have really good starts and the endings can be hit or miss. But I think, I think this one works in that it kind of, it kind of gives you everything you want to see but undoes anything that, like, breaks the toys. Like, you still get to see Superman fucking atomize Manchester Black if you really wanted to see that. But then you find out it's just something, you know, it's, it's Superman going through possibilities, right? So it doesn't, he doesn't actually do it, and it doesn't, it doesn't break anything for you at this point, you know? And, and I think, I think everything lines up rather happily, maybe conveniently but happily right i mean you you take any of those pieces out of the changa puzzle and it might all come crumbling down but the point is superman doesn't kill manchester black manchester black undoes all of the problems with his secret identity manchester black kills himself and and lois lane doesn't isn't actually dead but if you if you took away any of those, then it would become one of these, like, torrid, you know, modern Marvel DC stories where, like, Superman's on the run because everyone knows who he is for the next two years, or, you know, or Superman's sad because Lois is dead, you know, or or whatever, you know, whatever outcome it would have been had any of those Changa pieces, you know, come, come undone, basically. But, I mean... That's that's kind of all my notes on the stuff, but I know I know Mike had questions, so I don't know if I answered any of those questions or if he has more questions that I may or may not know the answers to. But yeah, I I, I had a couple things to ask. Uh, one, Manchester Black came back after this, didn't he? Or was he like quote unquote dead? Like, uh, I'm trying to remember because I I he might have. You, you know what they did because because i don't I, he might have been dead for a while after this because because when they when the way it went was his sister comes back and and she was like uh, i forget what her name was like sister superior or some shit i forget what they called her but basically they they turned you know they, they had jla which was really popular and then they made jl elite and jl elite was some members of the elite with like you know wally west and like a you know kind of a young justice like cloaked you know uh stealth uniform and some other folks and so they, basically anything they needed manchester black for they used his sister like if, if i'm recalling correctly 
Yeah, because I was like, oh, he kind of pulls like a craven like at the end of this. But I was mm-hmm. kind of like, well, I'm sure they couldn't have left him dead for too long. But but you know, at com- I'm sure. I, since, I know. Like, I know. Like in the New Fifty Two and stuff. Yeah. Like, Man- New- Manchester Black is in that like. Uh, you know, Superman authority miniseries that just came out and he's part of Superman's team or whatever. So it's like, I mean, there, there's definitely versions, you know, there, there's other things later, but I, I feel like that's so far removed from the official post-crisis timeline. Like, does that really even count? I don't know. You know yeah, what I mean? That's what I, I was like, if probably by the time of the new 52, he was back, yeah, I was assuming. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But uh, what what was the whole deal with like steel in this era? Like he like the steel works. Did he have his own like company or what? Like yeah, it was like it was like something that was based out of Metropolis. Like all I remember was they were the they were the main like supporting cast in that Man of Steel book. It was almost like th- that was Steel's book along with Superman, you know. And that's where they introduced. Uh, you know, Natasha Irons was in a bunch of those issues. Like she, she was kind of like part of this wave of, uh, you know, like they brought that Supergirl that was like the daughter of Lois and Superman from the future, named Sorel. So it was like there was going to be, like, like they they seemed to be part of that same generation or whatever. But I think he just, you know, he had his own company. He he was, you know, setting stuff up in Metropolis and everything. And then what's his face? Um. Pat Dugan worked for him. And so there was that, you know, that thing of like, oh, look, I've got, you know, I've got Stargirl and Stargirl's kind of age contemporary with Natasha and, you know, that that whole kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, the only other time I've ever seen this iteration of Steel's armor was in JLA versus Avengers. So I was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, so this is around that era. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I recognize that with mm-hmm. the, you know, the opening, the sort of Iron Man opening faceplate. Like, yeah, had, like, yeah. So. I mean, I mean, this is probably before that, but I mean, I think, I think they, they, they kept that look for him for, you know, it, it wasn't like every, you know, year there was a new look. It was like, th- this, this probably is the equivalent of that, Superboy look I was describing like it's it, it wasn't like that it was long lived but it, it it in this era it lasted long enough to sort of permeate right that it was in I did. JLA and stuff you yeah you mentioned like that way back uh, like uh, that was one of the bits I was a little confused about where I was like oh, oh, I was like oh, wait wait was Superboy hair and I was like oh I guess that's him like in a little corner unconscious like yeah, or whatever yeah. so yeah that that could have been a little clearer but. But yeah, yeah I, 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 I assumed, yeah. Yeah, admittedly. He was that's... just like chilling at the Kent farm. Right, so. right. One one joke I did want to make is like I like I like that scene where like they get all of Clark Kent's associates and whatever in that in, in Steelworks all in one place or whatever. And like it's like almost like, you know, all of Clark Kent's closest associates and friends. And then I was kind of thinking like, wait, wouldn't that include like Batman too? So like they should have had a scene of like Superman like princess carrying Batman into the steelworks or something and Batman <laughs> looks all pouty and shit like it's like no you have to stay here like but then I was like also thinking like oh if it was like silver age Batman and Superman like super Batman would have a huge smile on his face and he's like of course old chum it only makes sense like you know it's only logical that I should stay here. Like I have no superpowers like, and you do like, so I'll just stay here and you'll handle the problem. You know? Yeah. Of course, if it was this area, it'd be like, 
grumble, grumble. I don't want to stay here. Yeah, like I, I like I said, Gotham I had an image. I had yeah. an image of like Batman with his arms crossed with a like pouty face, like in Superman's arms as he like put dumps him in that pit or whatever. Like so, but did and here's another question related to like all of Superman's associates and whatever. Were all those like like have, have Superman's like dentist and optometrist and accountant all been established before, or did they? Invent I think I think I think or? some of it, most of it was exaggerated. Like like I think some of that stuff, you know, Bibbo and uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, some of the obvious players, right? Like Perry and Jimmy and Lois and all that stuff. You know, Pete, Lana you know, uh, the, the publisher, you know, like all those guys, like the, the Ron Troop, you know, like, like a lot of those guys were established, but I think, I think like some of the stuff, like the coach and the, like you said, the, the librarian, you know, like all that, you know, it's like, that's that, I mean, basically like, I, I think that's just showing or trying to establish Manchester Black's thorough pettiness, if that is a thing, you know what I mean? Like that it's like, he'll, He'll 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 attack anybody, you know, like and I, I'd say the majority of those like minor. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think the majority of those minor ones were probably just made up. Yeah, I, I was like I was wondering because it's kind of like, you know, I know Spider-Man's like extended supporting cast really well. So I was like, I could probably fill out a crowd scene with like every supporting like spider-man cast member over 40 years probably like that big but like you know i was like oh well realistically it's probably more likely that they just made up a bunch of those guys but yeah i mean aside like you said from the obvious ones like bibbo and like you know but uh who who exactly aside from lois like who exactly knew his secret identity at this point no one else or no um i mean like ma and pa uh, Lois, uh, I think anybody from the extended Superman family, like, like Steel knows and Superboy knows. And, oh yeah, that's true. Like, that. like I, I was surprised, like, um, like P did Pete and Lana know or? No. Okay. Well, well, Lana knows, but oh. Pete, you know what's weird about that? Lana knows post-crisis, but Pete doesn't. And then pre-crisis, Pete knows, but Lana doesn't. Ah, so that's okay. why that's always confusing. But but yeah, and this like Lana knows. Lana's always known. Um, but um, but Pete doesn't. That's true. Lana knew all the way back in Man of Steel. Yeah. So, but yeah, like I, I what do you call? It? I, I most of it, like I like I said, I could easily piece together. I mean, like I, you know, most people like. I mean, like you like to say, like, you know, oh, like they have to treat like new readers like they'll curl up in a ball if they encounter one thing that right, doesn't right. sense it doesn't something. track. But, yeah. But yeah, most of the stuff I just assumed I was like, oh, right. Oh, another thing I wanted to ask, uh, what are the master jailers powers exactly? Like, how did he convert all of Metropolis into a giant gimp? prison like you said well that's that's i mean again that's a manchester black power up right like i mean i i think the the main gist of manchester black's powers at least in this upgrade is like that he's got those kind of chain links and the idea is those chain links are like you know i don't know like kryptonian crystals or something like if you if you know just like that one chain link he tosses into neutron's head you know er erupts into like a whole other forest of chains so I, I think the idea is 
you know, if if you get him into, say, the Capitol building, right, he can infest the Capitol building with all his little chain links and stuff. But somehow Man Manchester Black, like, unlocked his potential in his mind or some shit so that he did that on sort of, like, the level of a city, which he couldn't really do before. Like, before, it was just, you know, he could turn a building into a penitentiary or something like that that he controlled or something, so... Oddly specific power, but I'll take it. I mean, he was he was always supposed to be more of a like uh, I don't know, like a lockdown type guy, but with like Superman level like technology, if that makes sense. Because like he shows up later in like Checkmate, and they hire him basically to uh, it's like it's like when they hire hackers, like not to like. You know, it's like, oh, hack us so we can fortify our defenses type thing. So it was like it was like in Checkmate, they hired the master jailer so that no one would break out of their jail, basically. Right. Like so. But and he, he was a little more kind of like at that point, like a normal dude who was trying to reform. Whereas in this, it, it like I said, it does have that. That air of Jeff Johns making some of the villains a bit more scarier, you know, like he did have that, that tinge to him, you know, that made him, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, for the Bruce Timms of the world to, to, you know, so that he wasn't so quote unquote goofy, you know, type thing or whatever. Yeah. So like only, only James Tucker would like touch him with a 10 foot. Right, right, right. Probably. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the original master jailer, like, yeah, that's probably true. Whereas I think this version of master jailer, you might be able to twist, you know, Bruce Tim's arm into using it or something, you know? Well, if you, if you Bruce Tim would pitch an episode where it'd be like, Oh, the master jailer comes and like gimps out Superman and Batman has to come and rescue him. <laughs> because Batman's a master escape artist, you see, and Superman so, couldn't figure that out. Superman doesn't know how to escape shit. He's just Superman. What what's up with you, Justin? You've been you've been silent this whole time. I have a Lois question for you. Okay. Okay, so they've shown lots of times Lois and her dad like they don't quite get along uh -huh, and it's uh -huh. and it's usually because she's a reporter and he's in the military and all this yes. stuff but like when manchester black is in her head it seems to be a lot more deeper and almost like menacing like i i don't know that i'd ever like seen that portrayed like that before was that ever brought up before this no 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 and 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 i i i tried to illustrate it as well as i could in the synopsis but that's mm -hmm. That's more of Manchester Black doing what he did to Superman. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think I don't think any of that was real. I think okay. that was like him him like unlocking or him like uh putting veneers of like, you know, this is what you know, th this would be your worst nightmare, but it wasn't it wasn't reality. Like I don't think Sam Lane was actually beating up Lois. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. That's not what was going on. Like, yes, there were things where, you know, they tried to portray him as too hard lined and this and that and the other thing. But I don't I don't think he was physically abusing Lois. I think that was just Manchester Black going, OK, I'm I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to make you think your dad's the one doing it. So it makes it it makes it as equally mentally devastating as it does physically. It's like it doesn't mean as much if Manchester Black gives her a bruise but it means a lot more if 
she sees Manchester Black as her dad giving her a bruise. Do you know what I mean? Like that's 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 kind of the type of person Manchester Black is. It's like he wants to, you know, he wants to utterly destroy you on both levels. It's not good enough to just beat you down. It's like he's gonna beat you down, you know, you know, and and look like your girlfriend while he does. You know what I mean? Like or or, or whoever it is that you you know, you trust the most. And, and then, and then even if you manage to get out of it, then, then after that, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Mary Jane freaking out when Peter Parker comes home in the black costume, like that's the worst, right? Because you're, you're Peter, you're, you're the husband, right? Like Mary Jane should be happy to see you, but because Venom like did his fucking, you know, scary shit, like then your own wife is afraid of you when you come through the skylight. Do you know what I mean? Like where that shouldn't be, but that I, I think that's the kind of thing that that Manchester Black tries to engender when he 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 does his stuff. He 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 wants he's he's that kind of guy that is I mean, that's why he kills himself, right? Because you know, Superman makes him feel insignificant, and his whole thing is he's he, he's very insecure. Like, like that's, you know, it's like that thing of, you know, you know, they talk about this whole, uh, you know, I think Tony brought it up when we were talking about something about big dick energy, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, that's that, that, that to me, like, you know, it makes me think about it as like people that do that, like, like they probably think they have a tiny little wiener. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that, that's kind of how. I think Manchester Black is where like he he wants to talk a big game and he wants to swing his big old, you know, telepathic evil, you know, dick around or whatever, but when when push comes to shove, if 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 you actually stand up to somebody like that, then then all of a sudden they'll shrivel up and be the little limp dick tiny dick dude that they really really are inside, you know, like that I I mean that's that's my interpretation of it anyway. And I think I think that's, you know, that that's part of why things go down the way they do at the end, because he wants so bad to be significant. He says, oh, Superman's stupid and he doesn't mean anything, you know, and and I should be better than, you know, like it's like I, my dick's bigger than Superman's. And it's like, no, it's it's really not, you know, like and, and when when I think that's that that's that moment where it dawns on him. He's like, "Oh shit, my dick isn't bigger than Superman, and I've been I've been acting like it is this whole time. I can't live with myself anymore." You know what I mean? Like that's that that's kind of my, you know, armchair, you know, psychology, you know, whatever, like a, a analysis of of Manchester Black. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 glad you guys uh, enjoyed yourselves. Like I'm glad I didn't put you through any any kind of torture or anything like that. So. I'm I'm happy about that. I mean these these read pretty quickly, right? I mean they yeah. they are kind of mid. I, we were joking about it, but they're kind of like mid early aughts comics, so they're they're essentially written for some kind of trade, and it it you know it's not like you're reading you know eight issues of a you know a, a series from the '70s or '80s where you know you 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 they weren't really designed to be read that way, right? It's not like you're reading like the Avengers Defenders War or the you know, the Celestial Madonna saga or, so, you know, like something that was designed to be read month to month to month. And then by the time you finish, you're like, oh, wow, I got this this Avengers storyline or whatever. This is more like they set out to do a storyline and they 
divided it into eight parts essentially you know so i mean you know uh, i mean other than the the standard thing of of superman stories kind of being like uh divided amongst various creative folks i mean you know where where you could point to oh this isn't consistent because the art style changes or the writing style changes or whatever but i mean other than that i mean i i, I you know i still think this to me it's it's a fun story it's something i needed at the time and i still I still kind of get a little glee out of it, you know, when I see Superman, you know, whooping ass and stuff like that, you know, because to me, like, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my thing. I mean, I know, I know, you know, to some people, the argument is, well, that's boring. But I mean, I think, I think the, the, the reason why I key in on this too, is it puts virtually everyone in Superman's life in jeopardy. So if you're bored by that, like, that, that that to me doesn't compute because I think this does what I've always said a Superman story should do. It's like it's not about putting Superman in jeopardy. It's about can he get to the people he loves in time, you know, so that they're not in jeopardy, you know. And it's like that's that that's the the question, right? Can he can he save the the Smallville coach? Can he save Lois Lane? Can he? save Jimmy Olsen or, or Steel or whoever it is, right? Like, the, can he save Ma and Pa, you know, before Atomic Skull, you know, explodes on them or something? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the jeopardy. All right, I, I think that's it. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes for comics, motherfucker, do you read them? You can direct download all the episodes over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And we can be found on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the hearts, shares, retweets, and likes that we receive. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is Derek. Derek WC, heat blasting you, visioning you into oblivion, signing off. Hey, it's Mike. Uh, I, I don't know. Signing off, I guess. And this is Justin, signing off.
I didn't have any goodbye line prepared. That's okay. I'm always pulling those out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. I, I should write up some. But no, I I did like this, yes. Yeah. Cool, cool. Good. Yay. Well done. <laughs> <laughs>